G'day and welcome to The Gardener's and Artist Notebook and I'm your host Bonnie Marie Hibbs and I'm joined by my co-host and my beautiful sister Ellie Jane. Hi. <laughs> and this podcast is all about gardening and art and just helping or trying to inspire you actually to get outside into the garden, plant something new or to pick up a paintbrush and splash some paint around. So we thought we would start with the basics. So, Ellie, why don't you tell us firstly what type of art you do? So I do watercolour art. Mm -hmm. Um, I've done a little bit of oil Mm -hmm. and then most recently started lino cut printing. So for someone who doesn't know what lino printing is, do you want to explain that? Yes. Some people have probably done it in primary school or art class in high school you get just like a sheet of lino Mm -hmm. and some cutting tools and just carve out a pattern um, and then you roll some paint over the top and then print it onto your material pretty much so paper or actual material Mm. and you're wanting to delve into material printing because you haven't really done much of that before have you no I haven't but it would be you know, fun to explore, mm. you know, print some tea towels or some bags <laughs> or something like that and make good gifts. Yeah. And for someone who's wanting to start in art, what would you say are the three basic things they need to start with? Is it the paper, the brush, the paint? I would say um, you probably want to start out, you know, with an art journal or something like that. So you what, what's an art journal? So just a, a sketchbook pretty much, mm-hmm. you know, you see something, you're like, oh, I could try drawing that and just keep practising and then once you're, you know, a bit more confident with drawing particular objects or, or things you see mm. in nature, then you can apply that to an artwork, um, mm. draw it on the paper, experiment with some paints, that kind of thing. So And just keep doing it until you get it to the sort of yeah, style that you like. Yeah, and then, um, you know, experimenting with different colours and then making sure you get some, you know, good quality paint brushes and and paper because it makes a big difference. So what paint do you use? Uh, So I use like a liquid paint that you kind of squeeze out of the tube. Mm. And do you have a reason why you prefer a liquid over a press paint? I just find it easier to use with the water. Because mm. you just, you know, you grab a little bit. <laughs> just dab it just, out. <laughs> yeah. But that paint, when it's on your palette for quite a while, dries anyway. But mm. does, just... it, does it dry differently to a pressed pigment? Like is it a thicker paint usually or it doesn't really matter if you're watering it Not down necessarily, anyway? necessarily, yeah, because you're using the water. Mm. I guess mm. it's just personal preference what you prefer. Because mm. some palettes come with the, the little um, pressed paints. Yeah, already. In I them. think I've or got you one can, like that. Yeah. With the liquid tubes, you can kind of make your own custom palette. Mm. So, what would be the say? Let's let's have it say maybe the top five colors that someone should have in their paint palette. I would stick to basics. If mm. you're starting out, you want you know yellow, blue, mm. uh, red. Well, you can uh, make any color with those, can't you? Yeah. So that's the idea. You start mixing different colors because then you get a feel for you know how strong you want it or whatnot, that kind of thing. Mm. And with the brushes, if someone doesn't have a big budget to spend on brushes, because I know they can be really expensive depending on the brand, Mm. what would be a good starting brush or brand of brush to start with? Um, What did you start with? That's a good question. Um, I can't remember. (laughs) Yeah. I think I just started with like a basic set of like synthetic brushes. So if you just stick to synthetic, they're they're fairly reasonably priced. And then once you go to more like, you know, animal um, hairs and that kind of thing, 
um, then you're looking, you know. Mm. Does the synthetic price. pick up the paint as well, though? It's about water absorbency. So your synthetic brushes may not necessarily hold the mm. water as well as your, you know, mm. the other ones. But, so, but, but they are, they still work. But they're like, good, yeah, good to start good, with. Good for, yeah, good for basics. I mean, some of my brushes are still synthetic. Mm. Um, but I'd start with that until you kind of get a feel for it. Mm. And what about um, paper? Um, you get all sorts of types of paper, um, ones that can withstand more more water mm. um, and then different texture. Your smooth is more for your detailed studies of like flowers, that kind of thing. And then um, you've got your rough kind of papers, but I use in between. Because mm, you do a lot of, you sort of do semi-landscape paintings, but they are more of a, a You've got a focal subject. So, for instance, you've got a tree that you're really doing detailed painting on, but then there might be somewhat of a, a background to that. Yeah, so I stick to, you know, in-between smooth and rough paper because mm. that's kind of what I'm used to and it's, you know, about quality. And But, you know, start with something maybe on the cheaper side of things until you can kind of get a feel for it. Mm. took me a while to figure out what kind of papers worked for me. So mm. you just got to experiment with different types and if you're recommending or if you're going to suggest to someone how to improve their skill set would you say to look to other people's art or would you just do repetition how how would be the best technique for someone to improve and improve their art form i would say both um repetition is definitely key you know if you stuff it up the first time just keep keep doing it mm. um because eventually you'll learn what you did wrong the first time mm, mm. and build on it. Um, but also drawing inspiration from other people's art. Um, Without stealing s- their art. <laughs> <laughs> you may start out copying them, mm. but, you know, the idea is, you you know, you master a certain technique or a certain subject and once you've done that, you can kind of adapt it, change it, mm. once you get the confidence and know what you're doing kind of thing. And would you say for someone to do art classes? Because did you do art classes? Yeah, I did uh, some art classes in Japan while I was living over there, which is really good. Because um, their style would be quite different, I'd imagine, because they've got – like that, that culture's built off calligraphy and quite detailed art. And yeah. I'd find, I'd find you'd get some interesting techniques that you'd learn. Yeah, it was there. definitely interesting. Um, it was more – they did a bit of calligraphy as well more about you know painting a picture with minimal strokes that kind of thing so hmm. you know um it was very very different but you know was it hard very, to learn uh kind of um they had a lot of kanji in there which was challenging <laughs> but just can't say need. i'm a calligraphy <laughs> master <laughs> yeah and yeah. your favorite thing is to paint snow gums isn't it yes that's what you you specialize in i do <laughs> <laughs> yeah well if anyone has i guess art questions definitely send them our way if you're going to send them through (laughs) send them through we'll try our best to answer them yes well Um, you've dabbled in gardening as well haven't you uh very minimal but you know i try um but yeah that's why i ask questions of you (laughs) you can give me professional advice so yes moving on to more gardening related topics (laughs) um 
How did you get started in gardening? How did I get started? I used to watch Gardening Australia and I used to watch a old man on Gardening Australia by the name <laughs> of Peter Cundrell. Your to, idol. I used to fangirl hard about him. I remember that. And I remember when I met him. It was pretty exciting. My heart fluttered. Um, <laughs> but it did. But no, I started watching shows and that intrigued me because I was always interested in plants and wanted to know how they grew and why they grew from a really young age. When I was about eight, I started reading about plants and then started to grow things and see. And you started a veggie patch at one point, didn't you? Yeah, I've got photos and of it, a, which is actually on my blog. and everything. <laughs> yeah, I built a scarecrow out of my old clothes that I no longer could fit into. Um, but yeah, I had a veggie garden. That's probably where most of my passion is driven from because I love growing produce and I'm getting into food forest philosophy and all that type of thing, which we'll probably talk in a later episode. But yeah. Um, but no, so I started just by probably being born into it, really, wanting to indulge Get into outside it. and, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so gardening gardening's a great thing, especially, I think, with how COVID's affected life and I think getting outside is quite important. So For sure, mm. yeah. That's it's good. Um, and what would, you know, if someone was starting out, you know, gardening, what what kind of advice would you give or... What would you say the basics are? The basics would be soil. So if you're starting a garden, one of the biggest things is obviously aspect. You need to know how much sun you're getting because that's going to dictate what type of plants that you can grow, Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you're doing fruit and veg. They need the more sun, the more sugars they'll produce, so the better the quality of the fruit and the taste will be. Yeah. Um, But so, yeah, aspect is one. Soil is huge. If you've got clay, sand, it can drastically affect what you can grow and how you can grow it. So different plants in different soils Mm, kind of thing. Yeah. So if you've got really sandy soil, sandy soil doesn't hold water very well and it lacks a lot of nutrients. So if you're growing veggies, it's no good because there's no nutrient uptake. Mm. What about clay soil? Clay soil, I think a lot of people are scared by clay soil, but clay soil, that's what you had, wasn't it? So clay soil is actually very good. You can get different forms of clay soil. So you'll have some that in the winter will not drain and they'll become like a puddle and then in the summer they crack apart and it looks like a desert floor. But um, there's all different types of clay, but clay is very rich in minerals and nutrients. But if you can cultivate that soil and get some air through it, it's some of the best soil you can have. But okay. um, sandy soil, you can improve that by adding a lot of compost and manure. Yeah, just mixing it through. Yeah, blending. You can't just dump it on top, especially if you're planting straight away into it because it will burn the roots of a lot of younger plants. Yeah, I've heard that. But if you're using manures, never use pet manure or horse manure because if you think about your pets, they get vaccinated, right? Mm-hmm. So you might give them you know, the medicine and then that can sometimes be carried through the manure and then if you grow food in it, that can sometimes be transferred into your veggies. So you never use, un, I guess... Un, so in other words, just buy it. <laughs> just buy it. You buy it or you can produce your own compost. That's another really good way to save right. money in the garden, but that's a time-consuming thing, but it's worthwhile. Yeah. But um, but with, yeah, compost... Compost or manures, it's best to buy it, and especially the ones with the ticks on the bags. It means that they've gone through the correct ageing process and they've met the standards and you're not going to be harmed by it either. So, yeah. so it's safe. It's very safe, yeah. So soil, sun, and then, yeah, sort of knowing what sort of style you want to have. So whether you want a cottage garden, an Australian garden, 
a dry garden, a waterwise garden. There's all different types. So doing some research and knowing what you like, then you can build off that. Yeah. Mm. What kind of plants would you recommend if someone's like, I have no idea? Depends on their style. Like if you came to me and said, what do I plant? I'd be like, well, what do you like? (laughs) I don't know. Usually I'd say, like, would you like just recommend roses or, you know? No, because roses, like roses. They're actually hard to grow, aren't they? They're not, they're not hard. They're they're not hard. They're not um, high maintenance in my perspective, but they might sound like high maintenance because you grow a rose, it's, Dormant in winter, so no foliage. Mm. You got to prune it every year in winter. Yeah, I just don't know where to chop. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> just chop, chop. But um, no. So you got to know how to prune it. Which once you learn the basics, it's quite easy. Um, and then when they produce their foliage in the spring, you got to make sure you feed them. So you start feeding roses from September all the way through until about you know April May mm. um, before they go dormant again. But yeah, you have got to know how to prune them and feed them. But once you got that down, they're fine. They're quite easy. But they they grow well in full sun. So if someone was wanting a cottage garden or they were wanting something fragrant, then definitely you'd plant a rose. Yeah. But it depends on what style you like. Yeah. Hmm. Where where would you suggest someone to go for information? You know, if they're kind of always local nurseries are good. Yeah. You got a lot of specialists in your local nurseries, but online there's good information online. Yeah. You, know, you can type any sort of style in or how to do Because apps and stuff these days, don't they? But you've got to be careful with the apps because not all apps are accurate. Um, okay. So there's been some incidents where um, one, one... Wrongly identified. Yeah, there was a girl last year, I think it was, and she was on, like, live streaming and she had something, like, she used an app to identify something and it said it was edible. She ate it and she got poisoned. Oh, so apps, you know, are, are, are a very light guideline. Um, Maybe stick to flowers. <laughs> stick to flowers. <laughs> not, not things that look like seed and fruit. But, yeah, no, some, some work, or, work all right, but a robot or, you know, AI, however they work, I don't know, they um they can't be 100% accurate because all the technology is not fully there yet. But yeah. one day it will be. But at this moment in time, I don't think they're the wisest way to go. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, basics of gardening is knowing your soil, your sun, what plant style that you like, and then just building off that. Yeah. Mm. And I guess, you know, looking after them as well, because there's a lot of things with what, like bugs and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Understanding when it's in trouble. Yeah, well, plants are really nifty, so they'll tell you usually when they're starting to feel sick or if there's something going on. So, and you can tell by weather. So at the moment, it's mm. quite humid. We're going through quite a, a muggy summer and quite an inconsistent summer with the heat and the temperature. Um, but you'll see a lot of sap-sucking insects coming around and things like whitefly, which is really, really small, but they cause a lot of modelling damage to your plants. But you can usually identify when something's going wrong. So most plants will get quite hungry towards the autumn, so maybe discolour. So you know it's time to feed again. You don't usually yeah. feed too much in the summer because it's too hot. Yeah. But spring and autumn are a good but time. But definitely keep up the water. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially if you're saying so. Because <laughs> <laughs> it drains. Because <laughs> it drains. I remember. It doesn't hold anything. <laughs> yeah. And what are your favourite plants or flowers? Like if you were to choose. 
can't choose. Or you don't. You just like every flower. I like everything. <laughs> my One of my favourite plants, though, is a Scrolanthus biflorus, which is... It what looks, is that? So, it literally looks like a low-growing grass. <laughs> that sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah, of all the things in the world. No, it's a it's an Australian native, and it looks like... Grass? Moss. It looks like grass. <laughs> it looks like moss. Ah. But it comes from a central crown, so it doesn't stem everywhere but it has this nice sort of mounding habit and it's nicknamed the lava plant so it looks like green lava, lava. green lava <laughs> strange <laughs> but i like them why, why do you like that because they're, they're textural so like they they feel they're soft and fluffy no no they're they're, they're, they're like rough and they oh. give you a hand a nice massage you oh, okay. it's it's it. it to be soft no no there's a, the woolly bush is a nice soft plant though woolly bush mm. is it woolly <laughs> silky <laughs> oh okay but no they're, they're really good for like sensory gardens so if when I've had customers coming so what's a sensory garden so if, I was going to do that in another episode but I'll, well, I'll indulge a light just a light but um a sensory garden is a garden that's based off everything that might enhance your senses so whether it be smell touch oh yeah not so much sound but they're the, you're writing notes. They're the type of things that, um, you know, are really good for people who might be blind yeah, or have disabilities so they can get involved in nature. And I've had many customers that have come into the nursery that I work at who are blind and I've had to walk them around and explain the plant and how it looks. Yeah. And you help them by touching the plant and the smell that they pick up. And I guess it's more engaging as well. Well, it's, it hones you in. Yeah in a quite a deep way with nature so it's quite a interesting philosophy and it's really good for children who have difficulties with learning it's a really good okay. strategy yeah. and therapy but i guess similar to art mm. therapy in a way kind of thing well we should talk about that in another episode but yeah yes. we'll these that, are ideas that we're we'll coming up as we talk another episode <laughs> but um but yeah so a favorite plant is i've always said it's the woolly bush no no no, the the lava the grass room no the green green, green (laughs) but i've it's hard to choose one thing because if you think about a plant they're also interesting and they're also different and they all do their own thing so how can you choose one i don't know (laughs) i love them all i do (laughs) they're they're all so fascinating but i don't know i like that one because it feels nice i'll remember that one yeah what was it called again um, Scrolanthus biflorus, or definitely won't lime, remember that lime lime lava. Lime lava. That's the the common name on it. Yeah. Okay, I remember that one. Yeah, Australian native. Mm. Growing sandy or clay soils. Growing sandy soils. Well, I think we've hit probably our mark at the moment, and we'll be back next week with another episode. And on next week's episode, we're going to be talking about the wildflowers. At Baubok. So in this episode, we didn't really indulge into what we do. No, we didn't. So it is a mystery. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out what we do in our daily lives. Um, but yes, next week will be about the flat white flowers at Baubok, um, which are out now looking fabulous. Yep, very beautiful and wild. <laughs> so yeah, so join us next week for a wild experience and we'll catch you then. See you later. Bye. Bye.